IoT is definitely an asset, enfin, data, physical data are definitely an asset for every companies. The, 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 the challenge is where are they? How can we find this data among, uh, I would say, thousands or more data we could uh, expect to, to collect? Welcome to We Talk IoT, a regular series of podcasts from the editors of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Avnet Silica in cooperation with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tim Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. Sigfox claims to be the largest global IoT network provider. Founded in 2010, the company that builds narrowband wireless networks to connect low-power objects, such as electricity meters and smartwatches, is joining us today in the form of Ludovic Demois, co-founder and CEO of Sigfox. Ludovic, at your recent corporate bash, the Sigfox Connect 2020, you focused your keynote on the value of data. Is data an asset, like buildings, machines, and inventory? And if so, shouldn't business people take their data more seriously? Of course, yes. Good morning. We, we have today, we, we are on entering in a new era, which I call it the, the physical or industrial data era, which means that we have plenty of data we don't know yet. Uh, it means that as soon as you try to think about how to optimize your, your process, how to create additional uh, offers, features for, for your customers, you can start thinking about new data that could get, uh, provide you some, some additional benefit or savings. Uh, for example, if you want to, to monitor in a level of gathering in a tank, for example, if you don't know what is the, the level, you, you should have some uh, constraint that you need to, to refill it every, every month or whatever. As soon as you have the level, you can refill it in, uh, at the right time to optimize the number of uh, refilling uh, sessions. Uh, and so as soon as you think, start thinking like this, you can... Uh, monitor the, the value of the data, which is the, the level of tank in um, the level of uh, product in a tank. And this is as soon as you can do that, you can save money and you can create a, a value that doesn't exist before. So I think the business of IoT is to think about this type of data and try to to create additional economy, which doesn't exist now because we don't get this information. So IoT is definitely a, a, an asset for data. Physical data are definitely an asset for every companies. The, 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 the challenge is where are they? How can we find this data among, uh, I would say, thousands or more data we could uh, expect to, to collect? Do companies actually know how much data they have? I, I don't think so, because today we are uh, used to collect personal data and process them and create additional value. It's a, it's a business model for the uh, uh, Amazon or Google and so on. Or for industrial data, sometimes people collect data, but they have no clue about what is the value of the data that they, they are starting to collect. Uh, I think sometimes you can lose money each time you collect one data. If you don't have the right vision about what is the value of the data you, you, you are collecting or you want to collect. And this is not an easy exercise because um, it requires some time to uh, 
evaluate all the benefits of one given data because sometimes data can have different uh, aspects, can provide different uh, improvement or saving and so on. So it, 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 it requires time to do that. And for each benefit of one data, you can at least list all the benefits and you have to put a, a, an amount close to the benefit, meaning that trying to evaluate, to estimate the value of each benefit. And at the end of the day, you, you, you get a total uh, average value for that data. And it's the right time to start thinking about, can I collect that data uh, cheaper than it will uh, worth for me? And this is, for me, the challenge, the maturity for the IoT market, which is, uh, for me, not yet understood by the market because um, you may have heard about smart city project or smart, sometimes smart building. And um, there are no so many uh, ongoing projects for me at the mass uh, volume market because it's uh, people do proof of concept, small deployments, few, few thousand of sensors instead of millions of sensors because they don't know what would be the return. And this is why I, I, I talk about that concern during my keynote because it's for me the, the maybe one of the last maybe bottleneck for that uh, IoT, for the physical data era. Okay, but uh, could you please go back one step because I still don't really understand how do you determine the value of your data? How do you put a number on it? This is, a, for me, a new, uh, a new type of exercise that, that will require for me to, to uh, maybe to train people because it's, uh, you have to, to take questions, to talk with experts for your business, for your vertical, and trying to list all the benefits of one data. For example, back to my example of the, the level of uh, oil in a tank. This data, can, uh, we can have different uh, outcomes for that. You can, you, for sure, you can plan your refilling, so you can, you can optimize the, the delivery for, for, the, for the oil uh, supplier. You can also uh, have, uh, save also uh, CO2 because you reduce the number of kilometers you, you need to, to, to refill the tank. You can maybe uh, uh, also optimize the, with the, the, the value of, the, of the, the product, the oil in, in real time, because it's a market price for the, for the oil. Uh, I don't know, I, I can, maybe I don't have other ideas, but you can list this type of things and try to, uh, to, uh, to estimate for each benefit the value. It's not an easy exercise, I agree, because it's not always uh, something that can be a, a clear value, an accurate value. It's a, it's a range, but something that uh, as soon as you do, you do that job and you share it with experts, you get a global value for that data. And at that time, you are more uh, comfortable to look for benefit because what is quite easy is to, to get a, a proposal from, from a supplier for, to collect the data, meaning... Uh, manufacturing of the sensor, installation of the sensor on connectivity cost and so on. So it's something quite easy to, to estimate, but the data value itself, it's, uh, it requires maybe a new, uh, a new way to, to train, to, to learn to, for the, the, the managers, how to do that, how to estimate that value. It's, uh, it's never easy, but I, I am thinking that one day we could have experts uh, being able to, uh, to have a quite uh, well-managed um, process to, uh, to estimate data value for each type of data that we can, we can imagine, we can think about. 
But is the value purely monetary, purely financial? In your keynote, you mentioned something that you called the social dimension of data value. Could you explain that? Yes, because I, I talk about the value itself, which is the, for me, the value can be uh, split into three dimensions. Uh, the, the financial, of course, the environ environmental dimension and social dimension. Environmental, it's something that I mentioned for, for on my example of the, the level of gas. If you reduce the number of, of refilling, you, you can estimate the, the saving in terms of uh, kilometers for the truck who deliver the, the, the oil, this type of thing. So you have this, this uh, CO2 dimension or environmental dimension. For the social dimension, I am really thinking that we should have um, sensors that will send alarm Uh, localized alarm, meaning that you, as soon as you have an alarm, you need to put to, to send someone on the field to, to clear the alarm, meaning that you're refilling the, the, the tank or uh, uh, maintain the sensors or whatever. And this, uh, I, I'm thinking that uh, this type of platform, I call it uh, a maintenance platform, uh, could raise tomorrow because it could, it could also save a lot of uh, time, a lot of uh, CO2 because you will have to, to To, to send people doing kilometers to clear the, 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 the alarm. So it's, uh, for me, uh, the IoT market, the, the number of data we have, we create a task uh, event that ha will have to, to be uh, cleared. And uh, for each event, you could have a price for that. I am um, uh, the total, for example, I have um, thousand, tens of thousands or more sensors in many tanks around the globe or around the city. And, uh, As soon as I have some trouble, I can send someone which will be close to the alarm to clear it with a process to, 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 to check what's going on and to recover the, the problem. This is something that for me will, ha will happen like, the, like a Uber platform, but for, for, the, for the physical data. Because each data, you have at least sometimes an alarm to react, but also an alarm to, to maintain, to change the battery, this type of quite easy thing that can be done by different uh, type of skills which, uh, with uh, some explanation. It could be easy, easy job, easy, easy task that will uh, create uh, new jobs, which is for me the, the social, social dimension of, of, the, of the data. What are the costs of extracting data? The cost of, extraction, of data extraction relies on four elements. The first one is the device price. So you have to, uh, depending on the on the sensors, on the, the type of creativity you want, you have the, the price of the hardware. You have also to estimate the autonomy. During your amortization time, you need to know how long you, you want to, to run your, 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 your application and divide by autonomy, which has to take into account the, 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 the cost, the labor cost to change the battery. Uh, there is also the, the creativity cost and the platform cost. Uh, so, so this is the, the four main elements, but there are plenty of details hidden in that data extraction cost. Because when you have to change the battery, uh, for example, if it's not easy to change them, it takes uh, five minutes instead of uh, 10 seconds, for example. Uh, this type of, of uh, cost have to be taken into account. If you have, um, for example, a long installation because the, the device is not easy to install, there are plenty of details that will define the, the data cost of extraction for, for uh, an amortization period. So for that, 
because it's not an easy uh, job for the people entering in that uh, IoT business, I will say. We are working uh, to deliver uh, on an open source approach, a supplier checklist, which is a list of questions that every uh, customers could ask to their supplier to define the data extraction cost. For me, it's easier than the data value because it's something that can be quite predictable. If you have the, the right checklist, you ask the right question for your supplier, it could be something that could, would be improved day after day because at Sigfox, we will provide that checklist, but we are completely uh, open to uh, update this checklist with every remarks coming from the market, coming from the suppliers themselves or customers to get, at the end of the day, a very mature checklist to be sure that the data extraction cost will be uh, accurate because it's important for, and I will add also something that uh, it's important is the liabilities. Uh, because if you have a customer or a supplier that guarantee your, ba your battery your autonomy for, for two years, for example, or five years, and uh, the, the autonomy is not, is not, is not um, delivered, meaning that you have, uh, instead of uh, five years, you have only two years, it changes drastically the economics, the return. It could kill your business model. So this is something that now needs to be uh, guaranteed by the supplier. So you have to be sure that your device will run for five years, for example, if it is the, 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 the requirement from the customers. And you, you need to get the supplier taking these liabilities because if you don't have these liabilities, it could be a, a big mess for, um, for the customers and for the market itself. Because I heard about many examples of customers that started to roll out, for example, for the metering business, having a, a lot of meters installed on the field. And uh, instead of having uh, 10 years of autonomy, they, 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 uh, they ran out of battery after two or three years. And it, is, it is a mess because it, the labor cost to change the battery is very high. So this is why now I think that we need to have a trustable supplier like we, we have with Alps, Alpine, for example. They can take the liabilities for the, the autonomy of each uh, sensors, each uh, trackers or whatever they, they manufacture. And it is really key for, for the IoT market. It's not a detail. It's very important because you have the data value, you have the data extraction cost, and your margin is in between. So if you don't have... A, a clear, a fixed price for the data cost extraction could jeopardize your, your business. Okay, final question. Um, what else would you suggest people should do to make IoT more professional? For me, it's, I think it's rely on what I just said about the data value and the data extraction cost. Uh, I mentioned the liabilities. It's, it's, um, it's for me where we need to focus on. Uh, we don't have to talk about the network. I think. The, the, the right solution will come up with the right uh, price, the right the DSLA security, all, all this concern addressed on the on the supplier answer. So I, I think this is for me how the the, the customers, or the suppliers, or everybody involved in the value, IoT value chain should work. I think today we have many battles with 5G, NBIoT, Sigfox, LoRa, and so on. I think it's not, uh, uh, for me, a relevant question. It, we, you need to take care about the data, data value, data extraction cost. That's it. The network will come up inside the answer, and depending on the, the network you use, 
you will get different price, different autonomy. But at the end of the day, if you have the, the, the committed price for the extraction on, on your side, you are confident on your data value. At that time, the business will grow because you, you know that you have to invest some time millions to deliver the, to roll out the, the solution, the end-to-end solution. And if you are not sure about the returns, sometimes nothing happens and postpone decision. And uh, in, in the meantime, it's a loss for, for the market, for, uh, for the people like Sigfox or every uh, manufacturer supplier, and also for customers, because I am fully confident that they will save a lot, they will get additional revenue out of the data they could uh, collect tomorrow. And this is, the, the, for me, the message I want to deliver, because it's, I, I never heard that type of message for the IoT. I heard about many uh, technical uh, uh, command talk, I haven't heard so many times uh, talk about the data value on data margin. Well, I'm sure that our listeners got the message loud and clear. Thank you very much, Ludovic Dumoine, the co-founder and CEO of Sigfox. Thank you for sharing your insights with us. Thank you for listening to me. We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast, is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft Azure IoT Hub. Highly secure and reliable communication between your IoT application and the devices it manages. Azure IoT Hub provides a cloud-hosted solution backend to virtually connect any device. Extend your solution from the cloud to the edge with per-device authentication, built-in device management, and scaled provisioning. If you need an industrial IoT solution based on Microsoft IoT Hub, then Avnet IoT Connect is your perfect choice. A standardized way to harness IoT so your business can quickly build smart apps and solutions based on the Azure platform. IoT, AI, and Robot Process Automation, or RPA, are starting a new industrial revolution, says our guest, John Gikopoulos. After a long career at McKinsey, he became global head of AI and automation at Infosys, a global leader in next-generation digital services and consulting, headquartered in Bangalore, India, with 82 sales and marketing offices and 123 development centers across the world. Tell me, John, how would you characterize the outlook for IoT, AI, RPA, and digital integration? So, uh, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity. I think that looking at the looking at the IoT, RPA, artificial intelligence, and the digital integration space. Quite a lot has changed um, during the last six to nine months. So all of us across the world um, live live in conditions that were unimaginable um, a year ago. And fortunately or unfortunately, um, the, the pandemic is acting as a catalyst in terms of how these new technologies um, are actually going to market or how corporate entities are actually deciding to employ and deploy them um, in, in terms of in terms of speed, in terms of um, focus, 
with respect to value creation and so on. So in a nutshell, um, my feeling, our feeling is that we are in a period of expedited decision-making and the remote everything culture is really helping in the way that corporations are actually willing to take these bets. The approach that I've already shared in the past that IoT, RPA, um, and AI ultimately are all part of the same value chain still exists. I think the key difference here is that what we're seeing is that clients, corporates, are willing to start that journey without overthinking or overanalyzing and without waiting for their competition or the industry to actually do it and try it before they are. We're seeing many, many examples, and I'd be happy to share some of them. I think the most um, elaborate ones are within um, our retail clients and when you look at the differentiated way that supply chains are, are run. The moment that end users are becoming much, much more open in terms of using these new type of technologies, um, the retailers, the, the, the companies that actually run the supply chains are also much more open in terms of adopting these technologies and deploying them. So I see a completely different speed to getting these things in place, um, to getting these technologies in place. And I see the overall time to value, which is a core KPI that we have always kept an eye out for becoming the core driver of change right now. Of course, online retailers are setting new records every day. It looks like COVID actually had beneficial effects, at least for them. Indeed. Indeed, and I think that with the advent of these technologies, we're seeing the boundaries between online retailers and traditional brick and mortar retailers actually blurring. This, this is a mega trend of all companies trying to get much closer to the end user. And in, in this remote environment, the distinction between traditional and online shops is, is actually you know, changing. Right, so th th there is a huge flux in this industry, and and I think that we're seeing, as I mentioned before, an expedited rate of adoption. But isn't there a danger that we will rush into this and forget to do our homework? What about cybersecurity? Are developers and vendors doing enough to make these systems safe? I think this is a very good point, and it it has always been part of the adoption challenge if I can call it that. Now, what I can tell you is that our latest thinking and, and the industry's latest thinking is much more holistic. So in, 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 in terms of not just focusing on cybersecurity, cybersecurity is a core part of that, but we have this notion of responsible AI. And responsible AI is anything and everything that needs to be put in place in terms of governance, design, monitoring, training, and culture change. So it, it spans across the deployment life cycles of these new solutions. Now, within responsible AI, 
what what we're seeing is that a th there's a focus in terms of what is being delivered not not just how and and, and this is the the whole notion of explainable ai so our clients and their end users are always on the lookout of what actually drives decision making i think the second part which is a very big part is change management within an organization to be able to adopt its governing mechanism, its governing structure, its controls to ensure that, that the end result is always in line with expectations. And then the final part, which, which has to do with the security of all the devices, because the biggest challenge right now is that most of these solutions are on the cloud. So you need tools that are robust enough, but at the same time, agile enough to make things work. So if, if I were answering your question, I think the most important element is making sure that we, we do keep an eye out, but at the same time, we're creating an environment where change can take place in an agile way. Who will the major players in this arena be in future? And what do you expect to see in the near to mid-term future? I think the, the answer is consistent with the changes that, that we have seen across the value chain in terms of consulting firms, system integrators, the, the traditional you know, um, vendors, the, the new unicorns, as well as startups, all fighting for, for the same ground. Now, on the one hand, this, this creates complexity in terms of choosing the right solution. This creates um, the, the need to, to understand what it is that the client wants, what it is that they actually want to, to, put, to put in motion. But at the same time, it offers a much broader range of choices. And if I were to slightly elaborate on this, getting the same answer to a question is, is going to become more and more challenging. So it's not it's not coming up with the right answer that actually wins um, in, in this environment. It's coming up with an answer that fits. So the biggest challenge I've seen from, from my client side is that if, if a client is in the process of putting together an RFP, they're actually struggling to define the activities, the characteristics, the skill sets that, that they're probably looking for. So it's more and more important to be able to bring people into play that can play this translator role between needs and ways of solving the problem. Um, and in the future, even in the near term, I, I believe that this is what's gonna be the, the winning combination. Having the right translators, you can call them architects, you can call them business analysts that are going to be able to identify what is the right solution to the problem that a corporate entity is having. In the past, you have warned about the need for companies to have a kind of a unified strategy in this area. But of course, in practice, IoT and RPA are usually pursued by individual units or departments within a business. Is that a problem? The quick answer is no. And um, although I'm a, I'm a firm believer, and we've seen this in practice, that having a centralized strategy is key. The differentiator right now is having this strategy proactively versus reactively. 
So we, we've seen a lot of agile adjustments. COVID has been a game changer. And orbit entities, despite their size, location, reach, they have to come up with, with some sort of response to, you know, the current, the current state as well as the new normal that will be coming. So to your point, you can create a central strategy reactively and you can adjust your business model reactively. For me, two fantastic examples are the RPA deployment model. So you, you can, you can deploy RPA in a very centralized manner with one unit being responsible for discovery, business case, evaluation and deployment. But you can also have a federated model where different parts of the organization come up with their business requirements. And as long as you have the right governance in place, deployment can still be done seamlessly. The same applies to IoT. The moment a business decides to change its business model based on the, the advent of IoT solutions at the premises of its users, then automatically the, the strategy changes. So in a nutshell, having a strategy is extremely important. Having this strategy up front at this point in time seems to be morphing into a reactive way of coming up with the right way to solve things. But you are generally upbeat on the future of IoT, AI, and RPA. Am I correct? I would actually say that right now I'm, I'm even more than cautiously optimistic. Um, I believe that the, the, the future, the future that we were describing a year ago is now. The rate of adoption has increased dramatically, dramatically. and we're seeing far fewer requests for um, proof of value and proof of concept and far, far many more requests for actual deployment of these solutions. Yes. Well, thank you, John Gikopoulos, Global Head of AI and Automation at Infosys, for joining us here and sharing your insights with our listeners. Thank you very much for your time. And now, one more thing. Vodafone has showcased a product recall system that allows manufacturers to notify consumers of faulty or potentially dangerous electrical appliances like tumble dryers, washing machines, fridges or freezers, and to shut them down remotely if necessary. Using Vodafone's global Internet of Things platform, one of the world's largest of its kind, with more than 100 million connections, Vodafone's engineers have developed a system which uses a miniature electronic device, similar in size to the SIM card in your smartphone, which is installed in the appliance and can communicate over Vodafone's network. Manufacturers can notify consumers of potential issues with their appliances and disable them. Many large appliances are recalled worldwide every year, and serious defects frequently cause fires. The Vodafone Safety Alert Message Indicator, or SAMI, enables manufacturers to contact customers and warn them. This is especially important if the appliance is not registered to a postal address or has been resold. The manufacturer can also keep an audit trail, proving that messages were delivered successfully to their customers. The initial feedback of our system from fire brigades has been positive, said John Weberg 
Vodafone Group's chief technology officer. This is especially important at a time when the number of electronic appliances per household is predicted to rise, and we all spend more time at home due to corona. That was We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast. You can read all the latest from Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine, by visiting our website at www.smart-industry.net, where you'll find hundreds of feature articles about everything from smart manufacturing and cognitive computing to autonomous driving and how IoT and AI are making business smarter. There, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Smart Industry Updates. I'm Tim Cole. See you back next month when, once again, we talk IoT.